It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome to another edition of the Locked On Wizards podcast. That uh, that was a weird one. The Wizards lose to the Clippers by one point in which they may have hit the game-winning shot, but it doesn't count, and then weirdness happened after that in the final 1.2 seconds. going to try to make heads or tails of what the hell happened and talk also a little bit about the game. Plus, I'm going to play for you some uh, audio I got from Jan Mahimi before the Wizards went on this trip. I... Have been meaning to sort of get to it, but just hadn't gotten around to it. But seeing as how he had a really good game, uh, I figured I, now would be a good time. Um, anyway, if I didn't already say Ben Standick here, here to help me sort out at least what happened at the end of the game, because he at least watched the end of it, was uh, is my guy Bobby Bancroft. So, Bobby, uh, first of all, how, how are you doing? I know you're, you're, you're living and dying with the runaway machine that is the Georgetown Hoyas. Is that you, uh, you, you doing all right? 8-0 and going to the show. No, uh, you said 1.2 seconds. I think it was 1.1 seconds. Well, 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 yeah, yeah. So we'll get. So yeah, so we'll get to that. Uh, of course, quick reminder as always. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Ben Standick. Bobby is at Bobby Bancroft. And I guess I've been told I should say more often that I cover the Wizards. I have for many years. I've covered them, covered them now for NBCWashington.com, FanRag Sports, Locked On Wizards. Sometimes the Associated Press, sometimes other people. So, uh, I, anyway, I, I, I've been around this team for more than a minute. And that, Bobby, is why I can say that was one of the weirder endings I've seen. For those of you who didn't see it, let's set it up like this. We'll get to the overall game in a quick second. But basically, it, it, it went back and forth late. The Wizards seemingly had the game in hand. They were up, I say in hand, I mean they are up, you know, uh, four points pretty late in the game. But Lou Williams starts going nuts. Um, What's more secure than a, a four-point lead in the NBA? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not, 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 uh, 
not too much. I mean, so they were up four points with a minute to go. But anyway, things happened. So the the the, uh, the Clippers, uh, Lou Williams is also going nuts down the stretch. He hits a uh, or uh, actually Austin Rivers hit a three pointer to put the Clippers up one with twelve point two seconds to go. Wizards get the ball. Uh, great execution on an out of bounds play. They got uh, ball to Gortat, who who had then had Beal cutting uh, cutting back towards the rim, the hoop and the harm. They go up. Lou Williams gets the ball. Sick three pointer. He had thirty five points. He just had it rolling. They, it was a good defense by Beal. Couldn't stop him. So now there's only one point two seconds left for the Wizards. And Scott Brooks calls a dials up a nice play where he gets Beal free on the baseline for a wide open shot, and the shot goes in. But the buzzer, the, the horn went off. And to the, you know, we all have that. If anybody who's watched basketball, and if you sort of have that internal clock in your head, you kind of know what that means. Didn't It did seem like it was quick. And then sure enough, they show in the replay, the clock started a tick before the ball touched Beal's hands in the corner. Now, watching that, it would look like it was like maybe point two had gone off. It looked like it still would have been late. That, that that's the part that is sort of hard to tell. Like, I, well, I think it, I think it was I think it looked clear to me that it was late. So but he, obviously the play shouldn't have counted because it started early. But it seemed like he was still late. Like when you went, it wasn't clear when it was happening, but it was clear when they showed the replay from a different angle with the facing the uh, the backboard. So it, when it, when it lit up red, he had the ball for longer than point two in my judging. <clears throat> I, and I don't know if you're wrong. If I, I don't know if I would challenge you on that one. I don't, uh, <laughs> but uh, but nonetheless, the clock went off immediately. Something seemed off. They looked at it. The refs decided that yes, indeed, it needed to be dealt with. There was something wrong. And this is where I don't understand what the hell happened. The they decided that there would be one point one second on the clock, so they took a tenth of a second away. And they moved the ball moved it. from the usual out of bounds position, you know, sort of right around the three point, the top of the arc extended, making it impossible to inbound it. Yeah, they moved it to the corner. So Sadoransky's on the inbounds pass. The Clippers put DeAndre Jordan in there. From that angle, you literally can only throw the ball backwards towards the three point line. The Wizards tried to get Beal off a pick with Gortat, didn't work. Ultimately, Gortat, you know, came back to help Sadoransky and got the pass. Took a twenty footer at the buzzer, missed. Uh, you know that's obviously not <laughs> not, not the way you're looking to set it up. And the Wizards lose a tough one, one thirteen, one twelve. Uh, at this moment, we're talking. Uh, Bobby and I are at of all places the Capital One Arena because Georgetown played here earlier, and uh, we were hanging out after that. But I still, at the moment we're talking, have not seen anybody uh, who was at the game. This seems like something where you know there's a designated pool reporter at the Staples Center, whoever covers the Clippers, and they get a chance to talk to the refs about, like, what happened. I would think that because something did happen, the ball did inbounded, maybe it's like like an inadvertent whistle type situation, that they have to take at least point one off. Why they moved it, that's a little bit strange for me, but I can sort of in my head figure out why they had to go with point one because something did happen. Well, if you move, if you take the clock off, then I understand why you moved it. Okay. Because then, cause then it's where the, the, the you, teams get the ball out of bounds where the, the ball was called dead. So they're calling yeah. it dead in the corner if you're taking the clock off. I'm just saying I don't get why they had to – why didn't you just start the play over? I, now, I I guess – I don't know. I, I, I just don't understand. I, I'm, I do see here while we're doing this, uh, our friend Todd Dibas, who's out in L.A., says that Beal says the refs told him it is the, quote, tough expletive rule. <laughs> okay. 
I, I still don't understand what that means. Uh, hopefully, we'll get some more explanation uh, post game. Uh, I'm sure this will be a uh, this will be one we'll, we'll all want to watch in the uh, two minute report from the NBA that comes out later. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It makes no sense to me what happened there. Uh, Look, I've had the league pass for years. I cover the Wizards, you know, about 15 times a year. I've never seen something like this happen before. What interesting was, or what would be interesting is, you, you know, you have access to Evan Schwachen. You know, he's worked his way into being part of the the crew here, the game crew for, you know, Wizards home games. You know, he seems to be a guy that knows about that guy. It just this is just completely unique. I've never seen this. Yeah, no, and I, I, I uh, weird on on a hundred levels. Um, I've got now. Look, I, I will just say, obviously, when it comes to a bang bang play like that, and they potentially made the game winning shot only for it to get taken away, it is hard to say. Well, that anything else cost them the game. That said, I mean, if we're going to take it from the forty eight minute perspective i mean the wizards went 15 for 23 from the free throw line four seven in the fourth quarter sataransky missed a pair with 51.9 seconds left and the wizards up four so he makes at least one if not both and you know who knows where we're at uh you know there was also when before austin rivers made that three they took a shot deandre jordan with a clear push off on gortat didn't get the call he got the rebound ball landed with rivers he hit the three but this is the NBA, and you work yourself to get in a position to win the game late, and the Wizards did just that, and, you know, it was taken away from them. All yeah. those, I mean, all those things obviously add up, and they get you to the point that you're at, but they put themselves in a position to win the game, and it looked like they did. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, so... Um... It was still still no reaction. At least I haven't seen anything from Scott Brooks. Although I will say that my guy uh, Adam Rubin, aka Liddell's place, who was out there, he was fanning it up and w- was able to get access uh, to the game through the truth about it. He said on Twitter that Brooks is pretty perturbed post game. Said some guys didn't show up. Uh, guess meaning some of the starters. I'll get back to that in a second. But um, you know, look. Also, this was a game the Wizards got up thirteen to nothing. And by the end of the first quarter, they were losing and they were down. 13 at halftime. They had to rally back in the third quarter. Bradley Beal had 25 points. A lot came in the second half. Otto Porter had 27. The bench had another really good game, which I can get to in a second. I, you were uh, you, you do cover the Wizards and this that and the other, but I know like the last, especially when they're on the road. I know you got you know you got other responsibilities. You got big soccer games. You got uh, you got you got you know a kid. All these things. So I know you've been watching a ton. If, if I tell you that the Wizards bench has been the star of this road trip, would that surprise you based on what you've seen of them most of the year? It would surprise me if you told me that before the trip, but I have been paying attention, you know, here and there, and it is sort of amazing what's going on, particularly you know Mike Scott. Um, I mean, just the end of that game. Look who inbounded it. Oh no, Sadoransky. Sadoransky. That, that, that's why. I mean, so so just to before I get into uh, the latest Sadoransky rant. The, the bench, Mike Scott, 22 points, 9 of 11 from the field, 3 for 4 from 3. At one point, he had made, including the previous two games, like 13, 12 or 13 shots in a row. It's pretty crazy. Uh, Jan Mahimi, let's not, let's not overlook him, 14 points. He actually made free throws. He was 6 for 6 from the line. <laughs> the Wizards were 15 for 23, so it's crazy that, that that guy was making it. And Sadoransky, his overall line, 11 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, just the one turnover. Uh, he continues to be incredibly efficient. He is, 
it really is like I hate being this almost sounds like cliche on some level but the international guy clearly has the soccer mentality when it comes to passing he just sees the whole court I know he's a point guard but it's got he's got that thing you can't teach that to everybody uh, not even not all NBA point guards who get some assists can see the court in in that sort of open way and he really is good at that and it really helps the Wizards uh, I, I really think it's you know I've talked about this a hundred times now but it's the key to why the second unit is doing a lot better he's just getting he's able to set guys up more he's pushing the pace um, he would have been a good Princeton guy. <laughs> yes, to tie it back to uh, to where we are and, and a uh, certain former coach, he would have been uh, good at that. Now, um, mentioned Mike Scott. He played 28 minutes, played a lot down the stretch. Marquise Morris only played 16 minutes in that time. He had two points, two, uh, two points one rebound, and four fouls. I'll be curious. Uh, to hear if there's more from what Brooks had to say about uh, guys not coming uh, coming. If we have, I'm sure we'll, I'll get a quote sheet here later. Maybe after the time I do this podcast, Kelly Oubre 0 for five from the field, no points. He was a minus 17 in the plus minus. Nobody else on the team was was worse than minus six. So clearly an ineffective stretch uh, for Oubre. Uh, but hey, look again, you know the, they had their chances late. Uh, I guess you could, we could say that they got screwed on some level, but nonetheless, they, you know, the, you're right. They put themselves in position to win. They also put themselves in position to have Lou Williams uh, kick their butt late. And I said, I tweeted this out. Everybody's been dying. Oh, for I saw th- that. Which the uh, I know what you're about to say. The, the DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody's like begging the Wizards to get DeAndre Jordan. Which look, everything's relative to what the cost is. My assumption of what the cost would be is not what I would be willing to to take on. Or, or to do, uh, if you have an opinion, feel free to weigh in. But Lou Williams is a guy that I think is the interesting one. It's sort of like acquiring Bogdanovich, but maybe you don't. I mean, you probably would have to give up your first round pick again and to go through this again. But you, you know, maybe I don't. Know, maybe you don't, or maybe you can. Uh, you know, because the, they're not going to take Mahimi if that's whatever he's hoping to, to do. They're not taking Mahimi his contract for one first round pick. Yeah, that's so, just like one of those bad fantasy trades everyone always talks about. <laughs> right. You know, they, they find a reason for that to work. You're like, well, why would they do that? Right, right. I mean, it, the, you, it would cost more. And, and look, I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, look, Mahimi had 14 points tonight. It's all solved. But he has been better on this trip. He's been active. That's one of the things we talked to him about before they won on the trip. And you'll hear that here in a few minutes. Uh, if, you know, again, my thing with Mahimi has been forget the money. It's the production. He hasn't been doing anything. But he's been doing more lately. He's been the center on the court for a lot of a lot late in the fourth quarters, a sign that Brooks is trusting him. He and March and Gortat essentially both played 24 minutes uh, today. Um, but yeah, Blue Williams would be the guy that I would if you it, it, I'd be more intrigued by if I'm a Wizards fan based on the cost and what he can do than blowing everything up and trading all your young assets to get DeAndre Jordan. But I don't know you 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 watch the pass. You, you a big DeAndre Jordan guy? No, I don't like agreeing with you, and I, I saw the tweet during the Georgetown game as we were sitting courtside, and I, I totally agree. I, I will just say, Gortad and Mahimi, they played the whole, looks like they played the whole 40 minutes at center, combined 23 points, 10 rebounds, 2 blocks, 8 of 12 from the field, uh, against DeAndre Jordan, who played 34 minutes, 6 points, 17 rebounds, which is not nothing, but the Wizards killed the Clippers on the board overall, even with that. Um, DeAndre Jordan, just he, he, he has no offense. So it is literally all comes down to he gets the rebounds. He he only ha- his he only had one block. His, he's only averaging like one point one blocks per game. People act like he's the Kembe Mutombo in his prime, but he's not putting up that. In any event, I I, I ranted about DeAndre. Well, and Jordan. he's impossible to get. He, he's negotiating his contract, right? 
Uh, no, he has an agent now. He oh, just signed I'm sorry. One. No, that's right. He just signed one the other day. Um, but whatever. Okay, I, I, I ranted about this the other day, but I, just since they're playing him, it needed to be uh, it needed to be mentioned. By the way, if I haven't even said this, Otto Porter, twenty-seven points, four for eight from three. He got three early. Uh, he also had eleven rebounds. So uh, you know, good stuff out of him. He's back. He's back. So the Wizards are what now? Four and four without. Uh, what was that right? I can't even keep track of all these games now. They are four and four without Wall. They are uh, two and two on this road trip. One game left Tuesday at Brooklyn. It's all the way back East Coast style. Uh, sounds like Wall's making progress. He's been out there, uh, according to everybody who's been you know to the broadcast and to the people who are, who are, out, who are there. That he's doing he's doing some doing more in practice. So it sounds like he could be back by Brooklyn, or they play Wednesday back home against Memphis. So I'm gonna guess he'll be back for one of those two. And they play these guys on Friday. The uh, the Clippers, yes, and Bobby will be at that game. So if you uh, wanna you know wanna wanna meet and greet, Bobby will in fact take picture with you for your Christmas card. We we were just he he is we missed he, out on it today though. Yeah, the Georgetown was doing that. Bobby and I were gonna go do that. I don't do Christmas cards, and I suspect your your other half wouldn't be thrilled with me on it. But uh, in any event, yeah, there was there were people who were who were doing it, so we decided not to get in front in, in front of them. I mean, the line was so long; it looked like literally everyone that was at the game was trying to do it. <laughs> it, it seriously, <laughs> if you come, if Bobby will be sitting on the press row. If you come over next Friday and come over and say, Bobby, I'd like to take a picture with you for my Christmas card. He will do it. Yes, agreed? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, so somebody do that. Somebody take him up on that offer uh, for sure. Um, I'll get to Jan Mahimi here in just a second uh, here on the uh, Locked on Wizards podcast. Again, you can find us on iTunes or anywhere else you can do your podcasting. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We got some breaking news here, or maybe I should say we have a, a, a an emergency guest jumping in. Our guy Adam Rubin, a.k.a. Liddell's Place, is out in L.A. He just left Staples Center. He is walking the mean streets of L.A. right now to go uh, to his uh, fancy night out on the town, I'm sure. But he just left Scott Brooks. He just left the locker room. He witnessed that end of the game. And so uh, rather than play this Mahimi thing, which I guess I can wait for another day, uh, could take advantage of this. And maybe while we're talking, we'll try to figure out exactly what is happening here uh, with the, the end of this game. So Adam, uh, appreciate you uh, jumping on here, and hopefully uh, we can help escort you to wherever it is that you are going. I am in the middle of the street on 80 degree weather with tons of people around, uh, and there's no no safety issues. I mean, uh, you, you have some, you have a safety issue now because now I'm mad at you because you just reminded me it's 80 degrees there, and I got to go out when I leave here. I got snow and cold, so yeah, great. Thank you. Uh, now you, now you got me to contend with. Jerk. Well, you had six months notice when the Redskins and the Wizards schedule came out to circle this weekend on your calendar, so I take no responsibility. I circled plenty. And I can tell you there were there, there were tons tons of people in the crowd who made this exact same trip 
uh, from DC. Well, it's one thing if you're going as a fan, which in essence, that's how you're all going. I would have had to go for work purposes and ultimately decided it would have made sense. It also makes no sense to me. I'm just going to make this point here. There were a lot of a lot of DC media there who don't come to Wizards games who decided they're going to spend a good chunk of their day off in LA at, a, at an NBA game. Bizarre. It's crazy bizarre to me why you would do that. You're, you're, you're a Wizards guy, that I get. But you have a million things to do in L.A., and you're going to go to a Wizards game, you don't come here? Good, okay. Good, good luck with that. <laughs> I don't understand okay. that one. Okay. Uh, no, no comment on that. No, no. Well, like I said, I get why you're there, because, you know, you're Mr. You're, 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 why not? Well, you know, <laughs> I, I get why you're there. All right. Let's get to, let's get to the actual stuff. First and foremost, uh, we'll, 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 there's a lot of things to discuss. Like I said, we're now talking – we're, we're, we're talking still relatively short after the game. Um, I, I'm waiting to see uh, our, our friend Todd Dibus served as the pool reporter and spoke to the referees after the game. But he, at the moment we're talking, he still has not said what's going on. And uh, Todd won't even tell me what, what the ref had to say yet. So we'll have to wait for that. But let's just go. I've already talked about on yesterday's podcast or, you know, you know what I mean, the one I did earlier, <laughs> about what kind of went down there in the end. Let's go to the reaction. What, what you were in, you were with Scott Brooks, I presume. You were in the locker room, I assume. What was the reaction from the Wizards as to what the hell happened there? Well, uh, oh, and, by, Brooks, and by the way, I'm oh, sorry, Adam, just a quick setup for those of you who didn't hear. I'll just cut to the very end. The Wizards are down oh, one point with 1.2 seconds left. They're inbounding the ball on the side in the, in the usual spot. They get a nice play where Bradley Beal gets the ball to the baseline. He goes up for a jumper that, that goes in. But the clock uh, you know, buzzes well before he takes the shot. And it seemed like it went early. And sure enough, it did. Uh, but the refs somehow, instead of just rerunning the play, they took a tenth of a second off and moved the ball into the corner, giving the inbounds pass, or in this case, Sadoransky, a much tougher angle. All they could get on the last play ultimately was a, a, a deep 20-footer from Gortat that missed, and they lose. So take it from there. The ex, What was their reaction to sort of that bizarre ruling uh, from, from the refs? Well, first, Brooks at the con- press conference was very – he was upset. He was angry uh, more so than I had seen him, and he normally does not get uh, that angry, but not at that last call or the refs, but at his players. And he said – he wasn't going to name names, but people have to come play. And if they don't, he's not going to play them. So you can guess who that was based on the playing time. You know, Keith was benched at the end. Uh, even Gortat for Mahimi. Uh, I guess Ubre had an off game, so I don't know who he was talking about. But he, he reserved his his anger for the players, not the refs. He said, I never – that's a tough call. Uh, it's always tough when refs have to make the decisions. I don't, I don't question it. So he sort of punted on that. Um, he did say he thought DeAndre had pushed in the back. Uh, the play previous when they got a, a second or two plays previous when yeah, they got an offensive rebound, but he absolutely but he, did. He, yeah. So he, he 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 didn't want to talk about the refs, but he did mention that point. But so on the last shot, he was still you know what Brooks said was, look, I can promise you, the play was not called up for Gortat to take a three point shot, and he, but that's about all he said on the final play. The rest was reserved for his players not you know not showing up. Uh, in the locker room, Steele. You know, Beal wasn't wasn't happy. He claimed that because of the way that they were hedging him and and, and pressuring him, uh, he wanted to. I mean, he claimed he tried to. Gortat was supposed to set another pick for him, and he wanted to come back up top to get it. But Gortat said that 
he didn't think there was enough time. He was getting close to a five-second call, so that's why Gortat uh, just went to the ball, you know, to be a, a safety valve. Um, and, uh, you know, Zadaransky, I spoke to, to him while Beal was talking, and he said uh, what I guess most people saw in that one having the ball moved into the corner for the second attempt. He didn't know why it was moved there, but he said that made it extremely difficult for him with DeAndre Jordan uh, on him, and he could not see uh, the various passing lanes. So he said, I might have had a lob you know, available. He wasn't sure, but he just didn't see it. He didn't think he could get the ball to Brad. And in his mind, in his five-second shot you know, clock in, in his mind, he felt it was getting close, and it was better to get the ball into Gortat if that's the only option there than to obviously not take a shot at all. And nobody, none of the players, Beal, you know, wasn't familiar with the rule. He didn't really understand the ruling or know what the ruling was. Same thing with Zadaransky, same thing with everybody. We were all sort of in the dark. Well, right. But it was general. I can't comprehend. I mean, I've, I've now talked to a couple different people on the side, uh, you know, around the league and nobody seems to have a clue as to what, what happened. And I, I, you know, it makes no sense. Um, so we'll see what we'll see what the official explanation is. Maybe it'll come out uh, while you are uh, walking to your destination. Um, but just to go back though to um, your your other observation about Brooks being perturbed and saying that guy, you know, some being mad that guys didn't come. I mean, you know, look, I mean, Marquise Morris had two points and one rebound in 16 minutes. That would seem like a thing. Uh, you know, Kelly Oubre, zero points, 0 for 5 from the field in 20 minutes. He had a minus 17 plus minus. The next worst was um, Jody Meeks at minus 6. So, you know, I, uh, that, 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 was, that would seem like something there as well. Beyond that, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know. Like you said, it's hard, unless he's going to name names, it's hard to know. I mean, Bradley Beal, Otto Porter, pretty much everybody else on the bench seemed to come to play. Jody Meeks didn't play a ton, but that seemed to be a uh you know it seemed to be in line with kind of what was happening he he was kind of keeping a starter on the court uh throughout this game not not as much all bench it didn't seem like so um so that so that'll be a curious thing and you know in just in terms of the uh, the 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 the, the Morris of it all regardless of whether Brooks if if that is who Brooks is singling out or not I'm not saying we don't know but you know look Mike Scott had a big game he's been making shots you know, he's continued to give the Wizards production. I saw somebody online saying, hey, it's time for Mike Scott to go to the starting lineup. I, I would disagree with that. I don't see why. Leave him do what he's doing. You don't have to start him. And frankly, you know, he's he's got enough, you know, let him feast off of the other team's second unit. He doesn't need to go up against another team's starting power forward and deal with that. I mean, whether it's Markeith Morris, they figure something else out. But I, I think it is worth noting that, we, you know, you and I have talked about this a bunch. Marky Morris hasn't been playing that well, and if Mike Scott keeps playing like he's doing, they're going to have to get him on the court more. He played 10 more minutes in court than Morris did this game anyway. Yeah, and this is, I mean, that's why after the game, I mean, he was, Brooks, talking about, I mean, he will not, he doesn't like to call out players. He said specifically, I don't like to name names. And he actually usually doesn't even say anything negative. It's not only that he doesn't do it anonymously he doesn't say anything negative even even when they blow in fourth quarter leads it's always well a couple breaks didn't go our way but tonight i mean he he went out of his way even not really prompted by the question he sort of went out of his way to say look i'm not a uh, a veteran versus you know or a bench versus starters guy i'm playing whoever is playing well whoever shows up to play i'm going to play now i don't know that that's been the case in the past when you look at you know mahimi's minutes versus the bench who seems to be playing better and trey burke and marcus thornton but 
he went out of his way to say, well, I'm, I'm playing who's playing well. And, and he was definitely as frustrated as I've ever seen him. And yeah, I guess Marquise would be the number one culprit, you guess, just based on this particular game and what went down. But it was, it did not sound like it was just one guy. I mean, he went with, he, he was asked about, he played Sadoransky at the end of the game instead of Frazier. I don't think Frazier had a bad game by any means. Um, he just, uh, but Brooks specifically said, I think I thought uh, Thomas was playing better than Frazier and I got to play a point guard and, and that's who I went with. So I don't think it was a, he was upset with Frazier's play. I think he just played Sadoransky because he was having a better game, but, but he's definitely, I would definitely see, you know, you could see some rotation changes coming. I mean, people have been waiting on Marquise to sort of get it going. And if Marquise is the person who, who he was referring to, I, you know, just based on his attitude and the way he was talking, Brooks was talking, I, I could definitely see Mike Scott getting some, you know, continuing to get uh, more minutes uh, than than Marquise. Yeah, no, I mean, that would seem, uh, that, that would seem logical. Like I said, I wouldn't, necessarily feel you have to start him it really isn't isn't as relevant it's a matter of you know like we said who finishes he was playing more late um while we're talking excuse me here one second (coughs) had a cough there uh our friend todd divas just tweeted out a couple things here with regards to speaking with the official bill spooner as to what the hell happened this is what todd's saying on twitter referee bill spooner said the clock should have been set to 0.1 and that the refs made an error by resetting it to 1.1. Quote, we had an early clock malfunction. We, no, we had a clock malfunction early start. Okay, said ball was inbounded at point of interruption, which is where Beal caught the ball. And then he said they reinforced rule 13, section 1A-5. I have not looked at I don't know that one off the top of my head. I'll try to look that up while we're talking. He then says that he follows up with Spooner to make sure he understood that the reset to 0.1. He said, quote, this is from the ref, quote, the wasted time, if you will, the time they lost was 1.1 with an inbounds of 1.2. That leaves mathematically 0.1. My head hurts right now trying to read this. uh, Todd at, that's from the ref, quote, by rule, it's a clock malfunction early start, and we have a certain protocol to do on that play, which should have meant 0.1 rather than 1.1. So, so Adam, let's try to make sense of this. Based on what Todd just tweeted, the ref is saying that, in essence, the Clippers got screwed by having the clock at a second. I don't understand. How does that even remotely make any sense? It's, well, it's not like they – I mean, I'm just saying if, in fact, there was supposed to be 0.1, then why wasn't it? It's not like well, it's not like they did it in an instant. They had them, they had time there. They readjusted. How do you not look at the clock and say, oh, hey, we said 0.1, not 1.1? How on earth does that happen if that's the rule, which I still don't understand why that would be the rule? Well, I can tell you that after speaking to the refs, Todd said that he still did not understand what the refs explained and how what, how that whatever he was going to say was the case. He, he hadn't yet released what the ref's explanation was, but hearing now what you're saying, I, I have the same reaction I guess Todd had. I, I really don't... I really don't understand, but also a separate issue because on that first inbound, it looked to me when there was this early clock situation, it looked to me like Beal took more than 1.2 seconds on the play. So, you know, I don't know that I don't know that we can say the Wizards were screwed out of an opportunity here because I think I think Beal took too long. 
initially. So, we, they, you know, Washington might have been lucky just to get the extra play. And, of course, they're even luckier if the extra play was supposed to be point one, and they, they instead they got 1.1. But, you know, so, uh, you know, it would, uh, yeah, the explanation does not make sense. And I'm sure by the time this podcast broadcasts, maybe there will be a, a better explanation that, that comes through. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, and the more we're talking, the more I may, I maybe I'll just put this one up on Saturday. I'm confused. We'll see what happens. It'll be a big reveal for, for, for Adam and I, which podcast I put up first. All right. Anyway, so that makes no sense. Uh, it doesn't really ultimately change anything. The Wizards lost. Um, from the game perspective, look, they, they, they were up four points with 50 something seconds to go. Sadoransky, though, misses two free throws at the line. Could have gone up six. Instead, the Clippers come back. Uh, hit some shots. Lou Williams went crazy. Austin Rivers hit a big three. And they lose. If we take away that craziness at the very, very end, like you said, maybe Beal doesn't get off that shot. Why would, from your perspective, why did the Wizards lose this game? Uh, well, I mean, they, number one, the start, I mean, they, they got to come out, you know, stronger. That's what Brooks was saying. I mean, you don't want to get down, but once they got up, it was the same thing of, of sloppiness, uh, you know, and lack of, Lack of execution, you know, lack of concentration in, in putting a team away. I mean, Sadoransky, as much as I hate to say it, he had a great game. The foul, when he missed the two free throws, the reason he was fouled is because he made a great hustle play to pick up a loose ball and, and pick up the foul. And those two free throws were, uh, I mean, those were key. I mean, that, that, that left the door open for the Clippers and, Ironically, the Clippers also have a Chick-fil-A foul shot promotion, <laughs> and Sadoransky's missed free throws gave them Chick-fil-A, uh, insult to injury. Um, but, you know, I talked to Sadoransky after the game, and obviously, you know, he'd like to have those free throws back, and he, he was playing a great game up to that point, and, you know, that leaves a bad taste in his mouth. But, yeah, I'd say those two missed free throws were, were you know, those were big. And they did not have an answer for Lou Williams. They had – they put Oubre on him. And Williams was able to score easily. Um, even Beal was having trouble. Sadoransky stayed in front of him a couple times, but really there's no one on the roster who, who, who could keep up with him. And so that was basically all the Clippers' points. And that, that three-pointer he hit to go up uh, that Lou Williams hit, I mean, I was watching. It was at our basket where the media sits. And um, – as soon as he caught it and then sort of backpedaled beyond the three-point line, you knew he was setting up and taking a three. And, you know, I even said to Todd sitting next, you know, five seconds left, I said to Todd, oh, you know, he's shooting a three. You know, this is not, it's not what we want. And sure enough, he stepped back and, and hit it. He did indeed. Um, but before I forget to ask, were there any good celebrity sightings? I know it's the Clippers, not the Lakers, but anybody there? Celebrities, no, um, not, none that I saw. More of uh, a lot of Redskins jerseys in the crowd, uh, a lot of a lot of Washington fans. But no, I think, and it wasn't very crowded either. So I think this is one where the regular fans and the celebrities took 
took the day off. I saw no Billy Crystal, uh, whoever the other uh, main Clippers people are. But it definitely was, a, the, you know, it's a deflated atmosphere from where the team had been in the last couple of years, you know, having Blake Griffin out and Chris Paul out. I mean, they, you know, half the empty seats in the lower level, you know, plenty of open seats. Um, so it didn't really have that, that excitement until it got to the end and everyone came alive. And you also had the weird start time, 1230 L.A. time. And obviously, there's a lot of other things going on in LA right now. There's like this crazy fires and stuff. Uh, is that have you, have you seen any of that since you've been there? You could smell smoke when I came out of LAX. Uh, I guess at night the the winds were blowing, but there's not really. It hasn't been extra congestion so far. Supposedly the fires have died down the last day or so. But around where we are, a little bit south of where the main fires were, it wasn't wasn't an issue. And I know the. Redskins game tomorrow is even farther south, so I don't know that I'll run into any fire-related incidents. All right, we'll we'll stay safe out there, you and your entire uh, party. Um, uh, look, ultimately they they lose the game. They're two and two on this road trip. The, I, you know, I wouldn't say this game was exact formula that it's been for the Wizards, but kind of was in that the, the bench really stepped up. Sadoransky, Mike Scott, Yamahimi in particular, this game, you got Beal going. That's It's sort of been Beal, and, well, Beal hasn't been good throughout the whole trip, but you know what I mean, certainly the last three games. Beal on the bench, this time Otto Porter steps up. Everything else has been sort of up and down. Um, wh- wh- I guess what's your uh, – wh- wh- watching it, I mean, again, result aside, how are you feeling like watching it? I mean – I, I, I continue to love, I mean, I think we both do, obviously, continue to love what the second unit's looking like with Sadoransky. The numbers just continue to, 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 to shine, and also just the flow of the game is just so much better with, with him out there. They kept talking on the broadcast, because I guess Brooks pregame said that it would hit the, who he would go at point guard is matchup dependent, and they talked about that on the podcast in those terms, and I was like saying, this is my new pet peeve. This is not, this cannot possibly be matchup dependent. I mean, I mean, Tim Frazier had a fine game, six assists, one turnover, but, you know, Sadoransky's played much better. That aside, any, any sort of final thought from you about watching this game as to what you've seen out of them today in these last couple games? Well, first, I asked the question to Brooks pregame about, with Wall coming back, who was going to be the backup point guard, what has he seen from Sadoransky with the second unit versus what he's seen from Frazier. And... You know, he gave sort of a coach answer. I know he mentioned the matchup dependent, but I feel it was more like a throwaway. He didn't want to say. He, you know, he said both of them could play. Sadoransky's playing well. Fraser's playing well. And I'll just have to look and see who's, you know, who's, you know, who we're playing against type thing. But it didn't seem like he was going to go with a matchup dependent situation. He fell back on his Sadoransky can play shooting guard and small forward. So it's not even an either or because he could play with Tim Fraser. So he sort of threw in the whole kitchen sink in his response. So, I, you know, I know they latched on to the fact that it could be matchup dependent, but I think it was more of just a, a coach speak non-answer where he's giving all the options. So I, I, I expect Frazier is going to continue on as the backup point guard just because that's how Brooks has been. But regardless, um, I think the second unit played well. That's obviously always a huge key. But when the same things keep happening, and the second unit can play as well as it does, you're not going to win games if you can't execute down the stretch. So, I mean, that just that point alone is an issue. And Beal gave the same speech after this game that we have to stop doing this. You know, every game it's the same thing. We can't put away teams. So that's really, if you're going to have a takeaway, sure, the bench played well with Sadoransky, but the takeaway is the team cannot cannot close. And that's 
on the bigger picture, what what I mean that that's the issue when you get to the playoffs or later on in the season. That that's the, that's what separates good teams from great teams. I mean, you you have to be able to close. So if you can't close, you're not going anywhere. So my takeaway would be this is another in a long line of games that they couldn't close. So you can point to all you know bright spots throughout individuals and and combo rotations. But look, if they can't close, you know that that's the problem. And they got to figure that out before they figure anything else out. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, they will have John Wall sooner than later here, and and that changes a lot with some of this, you know, potentially with some of this end of the game stuff, or at least just having your better talent on the court. But nonetheless, uh, it didn't help today. Okay, so I just looked this up. So th- they just released while we're talking the the L.A. Clippers PR folks released the post game quotes. They include the quotes that I just read from you from Todd with regarding to the ref. So the ref references rule 13, section one, a through five. I go to NBA.com. Uh, it says this is from the rule book of 2013, 14. So I don't know. I'll assume they haven't changed too much here. Um, I'm trying to read this here really quick. I don't understand. You know, I promise you, I don't understand this. It, uh, the, 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 that section is called instant replay review triggers. One of them is the number five says a play concludes with no time remaining on the clock at the end of any period or at a point when the game officials believe that actual time may have expired in any period and the officials are reasonably certain that the game clock malfunctioned during the play. Um, it does not in any way, shape, or form, as far as I'm reading here, explain how on earth that either the Wizards lost time or that the Clippers got screwed. <laughs> I don't well, I- I thought, and I can't remember a specific game, but I thought that if the clock, this is sort of the reverse. If the, the ball is inbounded and the clock does not start, let's say 1.2 seconds are on the clock, it's inbounded to Beal, the clock does not start, Beal does a play and scores. I thought what they do is go to the uh, review and actually count or, you know, how long Beal had the ball. And so Beal had the ball for over 1.2, you know, Washington loses. If he had it for less, then Washington wins. I thought you can do that, and it doesn't matter what the clock says if it doesn't start. So I, I, this is the opposite where the clock did start early. So I... I don't know what they're. So I, guess, I don't know what they're saying is you you do it yourself and see if it, if that time starting early would have caused the game to end or uh, you know. I, I guess I, I don't know. I guess you could argue this. You could argue that if the clock started one tenth of a second too early, right? That the Wizards ran whatever play that they ran. You're right. It's not even we're not even sure Beal got the clock off shot off in time anyway. So you, if you argue that well the Wizards got screwed by a tenth of a second, therefore we're going to put a tenth of a second back on the clock and start over. If you told me that was the explanation from the start, I maybe would have understood it. But seeing as how they went to 1.1, it infers that they kind of screwed the Clippers and the Wizards were not benefited ultimately by, you know, the way in terms of the way the uh, the setup was. So, yeah, it seems like they screwed up, ever screwed up both teams on some on some level, if I'm reading this right. Makes no sense. Um, well, in any event, we're not going to solve this, unfortunately. There's, uh, you know, there's bigger world problems that people can't solve, let alone, let alone this. Um, I right, man, well, look, I, 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 you know, you're, you're in LA, you're, you've got, you know, you got to go hobnobbing at Nobu yeah. or, uh, you know, Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles or wherever you get, wherever you cool kids are going tonight. So I definitely appreciate you, uh, taking your time to yak to me about a Wizards game. Uh, I hope you enjoyed yourself then. Uh, yeah, looking forward to the Redskins uh, for another disappointing loss tomorrow. <laughs> uh, oh, by, oh, hold on. But while I got you here, let me just see here really quick. I got the quotes here. Let's see if Scott, what, what do we got here from Scott Brooks? 
Um, all right, so here's what he said He's about how the game ended. This is sort of what you said. Quote, I never complain about tough decisions and tough plays at the end of the game that the refs have to make. It's tough. They had, no, they had nothing to do with the offensive rebound, and they had nothing to do with guys not ready to play. We have to have all of our guys ready to play. This is a team game. We need all guys ready to play, and we didn't have that this afternoon. Bradley had a good look at the at the at the and one, and the other play. Trust me, it wasn't for a three point shot. It says here from the arch, but I assume you're right. I assume it means from March. <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. Well, look, I appreciate it. Go do your thing. Uh, we will uh, talk later and. Uh, and uh you know that's it and, and i'll just end the podcast here thanks to you guys for listening a wild one here glad we got to do this on the fly appreciate you guys staying with me uh, through these twists and turns uh not not often i get i do a podcast like this where <laughs> I'm, t- I'm trying to try to p- piece it together on the fly but big ups to adam and for bobby bancroft for helping me earlier until next time see you everybody deal gets open for three Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.